Well, good evening and welcome back to our pastor's class here at Hickory Grove. It's a joy to have you joining us tonight as we continue our series through Jerry Bridges' book entitled Respectable Sins. Now, if you've been joining us in our pastor's class for any amount of time, you know that this study is a little different than what we ordinarily do. Ordinarily, our Wednesday night classes are all centered around a book of the Bible. We're tend, we tend to exposit to explain, to pull out from the biblical text what God's message is for us. But what we've done this semester, this fall, is we've just taken a slight turn and we've gone to a book written by a godly man about the Bible and we're picking apart his argument. So we trust this is going to be an edifying series for you. If you haven't caught up, I encourage you to do so. We're now, I don't know, like six, seven or eight weeks into this series. And what we've done for the last eight weeks or so is we've pointed out what the title of the book describes, those respectable sins. That's a fairly provocative title. I mean, would you ever associate the word respectable with the word sin? And what Jerry Bridges is pointing out for us is there are sins in our life. You might call them subtle sins that we tend to ignore so much so that they almost seem respectable. It's those things that you do, everybody seems to do, and yet you kind of forget that God hates them. You kind of forget that God has made it clear to us that these things don't lead to flourishing, that they are against His will. So we've gone through a series of these sins, like, for example, pride, uh, unthankfulness. We've gone through a whole host of these sins. But tonight we're going to look at three that mercy. These might be three that really get under your skin. These are going to be three respectable sins that are just so subtle, so common, that all too often you can't help but think of them as just foibles. These are those things that, my word, who amongst us doesn't battle these? The three sins we're going to look at tonight, the respectable or subtle sins you might describe them as, we're going to look at the sins of impatience, of irritability, and anger. And so today, I ask that you join me in prayer as we ask God's help as we look through this. And just as a warning, we're not going to focus in on one passage of Scripture tonight, unlike our normal mode of operation. Tonight what we're going to do is we'll be all over the Bible. So good luck, buggle up, we'll be all over the Bible as we're trying to hear from God what He has to say about these subtle sins of impatience, of irritability, and of anger. So why don't you join me as we pray and let's ask God for his help as we study his word. Father in heaven, now I ask that you would come and that you would speak in and through me. Oh God, would you speak in spite of me for the sake of your people you've gathered here tonight? Build them up by your word, oh God. Edify them, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, subtle sins are silent killers. Think of a silent killer with me. A silent killer are those things in your life that are actively killing you and you may not even know it. You're totally unaware. So for example, physicians often describe these three health uh, issues as silent killers. High blood pressure. If you've ever battled high blood pressure, you know there's almost no symptoms. You pretty much don't know unless somebody puts the blood pressure cuff on your arm and you get the high reading. Diabetes is another malady that's often described as a silent killer, where your blood sugar is all off. 
or even something as simple as stress. Over time, it can have enough of an effect on you that your body starts to degrade and you don't even realize the effect stress is having. Or conversely, you could consider something that you may not even think of as a silent killer, like, for example, cancer. The, the vast majority of time when cancer is discovered, it is discovered late. It has been festering and growing and multiplying in a person's body for some time, typically without any symptoms, without any effect, until at last, finally, it reaches a breaking point. You discover a symptom, you go to the doctor, and you discover the cancer diagnosis. Or let's take it even a step back further and go to the most elementary of wounds, just a, a mere cut. If you were to get a cut on your arm, you, you don't think a whole lot of it. But if you were not to clean it, if you were not to bandage it, to care for it, what could start as just a simple innocent cut that basically feels like nothing can over time become infected. And that infection, if not properly addressed, can become so acute that your body could become in jeopardy just due to a little cut. By analogy, these silent killers are a good reminder to us that there are other things in our life, more than high blood pressure, more than diabetes, more than stress, more than cancer or a cut on your arm. There are things in our lives, what the Bible describes as subtle sins. There are sins in our lives that are indeed silent killers. They're those sins that we're so accustomed to. We, we regard as so commonplace, so respectable, for lack of a better word, that before we know it, our normal practice can begin to corrode us from within. It can spiritually start to fatigue us. These sort of sins can have such a cumulative effect on us that before you know it, what started as something as innocent as impatience can devolve into something dramatic. What started as something as quirky as just being an irritable person can devolve into something far weightier. What can feel as normal and natural and even righteous as time, at times as anger can devolve into something awfully abusive and wrong. And so today what I want you to do is I want you to join me in seeing this simple, not terribly profound truth. These subtle sins of irritability, of impatience, and of anger, take it to the bank. They are silent killers, and we need to know how to address these silent killers. And so tonight what I'd like to do is just offer three simple, again, not terribly profound, but three simple truths, three simple pleas that you and I must take to heart as we confront the sins in our life like impatience and irritability, and anger. So if you're taking notes, I want you to mark this down. Number one, it's incumbent upon us that we first off acknowledge what they are. Now here's the truth of the matter. If we don't begin with actually calling a spade a spade, if we don't begin with actually reckoning with the reality of what these sins actually are, you're not going to see any progress. Indeed, you and I will remain in this position where we see impatience as just a personality quirk, where we see irritability as just, you know, some little foible that you deal with every now and then, where you constantly justify outbursts of anger. It's critical that we first begin with, number one, acknowledging what these things actually are. 
They are sins before a heavenly God. And so let's look at those three different subtle sins I've described, and let's just look at them individually. So first off, and as we consider what they actually are, let's discuss impatience first. If, if you want a little definition, this is you know, not a definitive definition by any means, but I want you to kind of consider in particular what we mean by impatience. I think impatience would be best described, as Jerry Bridges makes clear, as a strong sense of uh, annoyance, for lack of a better word. But here's the kicker. It's a strong sense of annoyance at something somebody else unintentionally did. So in other words, impatience is that natural uh, annoyed response we have towards people or things occurring that aren't intentional. In other words, somebody's not actually trying to mess you up. It just happens and you get real impatient about it. Okay, so take a step back with me and think of the myriad of ways we tend to grow impatient. I confess before you that I am one impatient driver. And I don't mean that in a joking sense. I mean that in the, to the greatest extent I can, a grievous sense. As I'm driving my vehicle, if there is somebody driving slower than me, I get impatient. And then it does, it devolves very quickly into strong, acute irritation. Consider going to the post office. How many of you have found yourselves getting impatient when you're waiting in that forever long line? Just the DMV immediately comes to mind. How many of you find yourselves getting naturally impatient at work with your supervisor, with your coworkers, with the way things are being led? You get this natural annoyance at things other people are doing that aren't intending, and there's the key, they're not intending to provoke you, but nevertheless you just get irritated at them. Or consider with me really where impatience, I think, probably comes to light more than any other place in our lives, and that's in our home. Just consider the impatience that naturally wells up in your marriage when your spouse does not meet your expectations, when dinner is not on the table when you were expecting, when your husband is not home at the time he said, when the date wasn't exactly what you were hoping for, when finances aren't being spent the way you had desired, when expectations aren't met. Or take a step out and consider the impatience that wells up in your parenting. When your child proves to be the spawn of you, fallen and broken, and they let you down, they disobey, they do a variety of things, and you get impatient with that. Now, I illustrate all those to basically help us see the weight of the Bible here. Even in all those illustrations, it can kind of feel like, yeah, I wish I wasn't impatient, but, I mean, who amongst us is not? I don't like it, but... It's not that big of a deal. And this is where I want you to now feel in light of all of those examples, and you could fill in the blank with innumerable other examples. Now feel the weight of God's word to us in light of impatience. I want you to remember that the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, he makes clear that love is patient. The two are inextricably linked. If you lack patience, Paul is making clear, you are in truth lacking love. He calls us as believers to live lives of love demonstrated through patience. He implores us elsewhere. For example, in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 2, he calls us to live with patience. He calls this a clear mark of the Christian life 
to be one of long-suffering and patience with one another. Or in Colossians 3, uh, verse 12, he calls us to put on patience. Indeed, he describes in Galatians, patience as one of the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience amongst kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Patience is no afterthought. It's not some cherry on top. Patience is a mark of a regenerate heart. And so, as believers, we ought to just acknowledge what impatience really is. It is a sin against a holy God. So, now let's put impatience on the shelf for a moment. We're going to come back to it. Now let's consider together irritability. Now, how do you distinguish impatience from irritability? Uh, One of the ways Jerry Bridges distinguishes the two, and I think this is somewhat helpful, is that irritability could best be described as impatience on a continuous basis. So in other words, irritability kind of describes for us the frequency of our impatience. So let's say you're one of those folks that just tends to be impatient all the time. You, you just get provoked really easily. You, you live a life of impatience. Well, I hate to break it to you. What that means is you are probably a person marked by irritability. Uh, you're the kind of person, and mercy, heaven, Lord forgive me, I have been here before, where you're the person that somebody just feels like they need to walk on eggshells around because you are just irritable, easily provoked. Now, think with me for a second. Think of all the different ways we, are, uh, we tend towards irritability. For example, think about your own home life. Dad, when you come home from work, do you find yourself so stressed and overcome with the weight of the day, that you're not present with your family, you're irritable, you're just a little on edge at the dinner table. After dinner, instead of playing with the kids, you're just sitting on the couch, drinking in the TV, and if there's any noise in the room, you just get irritated. You're short with your wife. Wives, mothers in the room uh, joining us tonight. How many of you find yourself just on edge all the time with your children, just impatient with great frequency. How many of you find yourselves this way at work, where just irritation becomes a common theme, and everybody who knows you at work knows you just don't really like being there? I think a good way for all of us to self-assess as to whether or not we tend towards an irritable uh, disposition is to just think, is there somebody in your life you live in constant impatience with? Maybe it's your mother, Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your friend. Is there somebody you know that you just are constantly irritated with? Somebody that just drives you crazy? If that's true for you, then I want you to feel with me the weight of God's words towards irritability. God doesn't excuse this again as just an understandable foible. He calls this a sin This is something that we have got to confront. Consider with me Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11. It says, it's one's glory overlook an offense. In other words, the writer of Proverbs makes clear to us that it is wise, it is good, it is proper, it is God's design that we overlook the offense of another. And yet, how many of us fall short of that almost every minute of every day? We tend to keep a record of wrongs. We tend to hold on to any offense. 
And the writer of Proverbs is saying it is one's glory to overlook an offense. Or consider 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. You can mark that down in your margin where Peter famously writes, Love covers a multitude of sins. Love being the opposite of impatient irritation. And so I want you to feel with me today that we've got to recognize that impatience and irritability, they really are sins. These aren't something that we just should put aside. These are something we need to grapple with, to reckon with. But before we move on to the second point I want to lay upon your heart, let's look at this third sin that I mentioned from the beginning, from the outset, and that's, of course, the sin of anger. Now let's talk about anger for a moment because anger is a very complex issue and I ought to just give as a disclaimer that I don't want to make light of anger, I don't want to cheapen it, I don't want to oversimplify it. Moreover, I want you to understand that there are varying types of anger. I could think of at least three different types of anger and there's only one I'm going to address tonight. So let me describe them. So there is, biblically speaking, a category of righteous anger, righteous indignation. You probably see this exemplified most famously by Jesus himself when confronted with the excesses and the blasphemous practices in the temple complex. He came and overturned the, uh, the tables in righteous anger, righteous indignation. There is a category for righteous anger, but we're going to put that one on the shelf because what we're getting at, I think you're going to understand, is nothing righteous. Now here's the second category of anger that I'm not going to address tonight because of the weight and complexity of it. And that's what I would call uncontrolled anger. In other words, there are men and women, and perhaps some of you are even tuned in tonight, who know you battle real uncontrolled anger. Anger that can well up into violent or abusive excesses. This is a real issue. And by the way, if you are in the midst of, a, of that experience, if you have been a victim of that, you need to seek help. You can call us, call the authorities. You ought not tolerate abuse of any kind. But what I want to address tonight, and this is what I think most of us joining tonight are ra- grappling with, is what you could describe, for lack of a better word, as ordinary anger. This is the sort of species of anger that you and I would experience on any given day. The type of anger that doesn't tend to well up into violent abuses. This is the type of anger that wells up into other species of sin, which we're going to address in just a moment. So think with me for a moment now about this kind of anger. The Bible describes anger as a work of the flesh in Galatians chapter 5. James describes anger at length in chapter 4 of his, of his book, and he describes it as the passions of our flesh being at war within us. Anger is one of those chief evidences of our flesh just grappling with the reality of living in a fallen world. In other words, the Bible makes clear that anger is not something to be excused. It is a sin. It is something we need to take seriously. So let's just put a bow on it. And remember, number one, as we consider impatience and irritability and anger, we need to remember that number one, we got to acknowledge what they are. They are indeed sins against a holy God. So is that it? Is that the whole message tonight? Hey, thanks a lot, Pastor Kylie. You told me the obvious. These three things are sin. 
Now, you got to understand that. you got to call a spade a spade. But now let's take a second step. The second thing I want you to see tonight is number two, in addition to acknowledging what they are, now we need to secondly assume what they lead to. Now here's why I say that. We need to assume in our lives that allowing patience to fester is going to lead to something. We need to assume that allowing irritability to just be a part of our personality is going to degenerate into something. We need to recognize that allowing anger to fester will cause something worse to come. So I want you to join me in assuming what they lead to. So for example, let's just think through our own experience. When you allow impatience to linger in your life, what tends to happen? What is the fruit of anger? What's the fruit of this sort of impatient personality? Well, oftentimes, an impatient person ends up becoming a habitually hypocritical person. This is a person who claims one thing and does another. Oh, I have been convicted so many times as a pastor, a preacher of God's Word, where I am proclaiming the glorious truths of the gospel of God's grace, and then I live with this graceless disposition towards others, where in my mind I know how much I've been forgiven, but in my, uh, my, my behavior and the way I interact with other people, I am graceless. I forget I am a hypocrite. If I allow impatience in my life to remain, hypocrisy will grow. If I allow impatience in my life to remain, humiliation will be left in its wake because an impatient person tends to humiliate those around them. Have you ever found yourself so impatient with somebody that you end up just berating? You end up just nitpicking? You end up saying things that are humiliating to them? It's the wake of impatience. I think one thing you probably ought to see more than anything else is that if you don't take impatience seriously, mark my words, irritability will follow. An impatient person who is impatient habitually is by definition an irritable person. And so now let's talk about irritability. What do you do with irritability? As we grapple with that subtle sin, where does that lead? Well, if you are an irritable person, the truth of the matter is you're probably a grumbling person, which the Bible takes complaining and grumbling and discontentment very seriously. Indeed, the Bible describes Israel's great first sin as they were freed from Egypt and they were going through the wilderness headed to the promised land. The sin that got them stuck in that wilderness for 40 years and caused a generation to die off before God brought them across the Jordan was the sin of grumbling, complaining, and discontentment. So we got to recognize that if we don't take our irritability seriously, we are tragically demonstrating to a watching world that the gospel we claim to believe has had no effect on our lives. If you live as an irritable individual, you are a walking, you are a, 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 a walking contradiction in terms. You are denying in practice what you claim in speech. The truth of the matter is irritability ends up degenerating oftentimes into outbursts of anger. And as we consider anger, even the most ordinary sense of the term, where you just get real frustrated and you, and you let your anger kind of boil over in a verbal tirade or something of some kind to somebody, think of all the species of sin that come in the wake of anger. 
Think of all the things that anger leads to if you don't keep it in check. Well, for one, uh, you could say that it leads to resentment. And resentment is where you're looking at somebody or something and you just start to harbor ill will continuously towards them. Where now you have a presupposition about this person. You can't help but think of them in negative terms. Or you'll see another sin in its wake, bitterness, which is closely related to resentment. Bitterness where you just have this this deep animosity towards another individual that you, you can't let go. Or hostility or strife. The point of the matter is simply this. I I want you to see what these sins actually are. These these are indeed sins against a holy God. And I want you to see that if you don't take these seriously, if you don't assume where they're going to lead, you're going to end up there before you know it. So let's conclude our time this evening by having one main point of application. One key thing we need to take away in light of acknowledging what they are and in light of of assuming where these sins lead. Number three, if you're taking notes, mark this third and final uh, exhortation down. Number three, I implore you to address where they spring from. Address in your life not merely impatience, not merely irritability, not merely anger. I want you to address where these three things come from. You see... A tree's fruit always comes from a particular kind of root. You're going to know a tree by its fruit, but that tree is, it began somewhere beneath the surface. And what we've got to do is we see this fruit of impatience, of irritability, of anger, and we need to go all the way back down to the root and figure out what gave birth to this. What is causing me to respond with impatience and irritability and anger? Where is the root? And I would submit to you two broad, but I believe profound things that underlie an impatient, irritable, and angry individual. Number one, mark this down. I'll I'll take it to the bank. A small view of God is at the root of these sins. A small view of God. You see... When you have an impatient personality, here's the truth. You tend to have this view of God that is so small that you are in essence acting as if you are Him. So for example, an impatient person is somebody that doesn't like what's transpiring around them, feels out of control of their circumstances, desperately wants to be in control of those circumstances, and starts to act out in ways to demonstrate that I or you are, in fact, little g, God. And what we need to reckon with, what we need to grapple with, is the truth that we are not God. I want to call you to get this bigger view of God and to see that in His wonderful sovereign providence, He is orchestrating all things. There's not an atom in this universe that is not under His sovereign grip. He is controlling all things for His glory. And the Bible teaches in Romans 8.28 and in Genesis chapter 50 that He's working them for believers' good. And so if you are an impatient person, I plead with you to just give yourself to the life-giving doctrine of God's sovereignty and recognize He's God, I'm not, therefore I need not be impatient. What is transpiring right now in my life is His good and perfect will, even if I can't see it. If you are battling with irritability right now, I need you to understand that an irritable soul 
is one that's grieved at the fact that they're not God. If you are an, irrit- uh, an easily irritated person, there's probably a good likelihood that you are just frustrated that you don't have the control over your life that God, in fact, does. And you desperately want that control. And so you live in constant irritation at anybody and everybody that doesn't meet your expectation. Oh, God, forgive me for how often I fall into this. So my plea to you is, yet again, give yourself to the wonderful, I think it's the most applicable doctrine in all the Bible, the doctrine of God's sovereignty. That means God is God. He's in control of everything. And He is a much better God than you and I. Just confess that God is who He is and relent. Just give it up. Just lay it down and say, Oh God, you're God, I'm not. My life is in your hands. I need to stop, O oh God. I am casting my cares upon you. Just cry out to Him in prayer and say, Forgive me, O oh God, for trying to control my life. Would you break me of this insidious tendency towards impatience, this murderous impulse towards uh, irritation? O oh God, forgive me for these sins in my life. And if you are one who battles uh, persistently anger, just recognize that an angry soul is typically one that is venting out in a whole host of ways that they are not God. So just recognize that your anger, your impatience, your irritation, these are all symptoms of a heart that is looking at God and saying, I would rather be God than you. God, I want you to go sit in the corner. I want to be enthroned. My desires, my impulses are chief in my life. Just lay it all down, confess it and repent of it and say, oh God, give me a bigger vision of you. That is my prayer for you. That tonight, if you get anything from this lesson, that you would raise your eyes off the horizon and you would look full into the wonderful face of Jesus and recognize that He is infinitely worthy of your affection, that He is infinitely worthy of your life. He is worthy of your repentance. He is worthy of you laying aside all these impulses you have and saying, Oh God, my life is yours. My life is in your hands. Do with me as you see fit. And if you do this, just start to see Start to see your vision of God get bigger and your impulse towards impatience and irritation and anger grow smaller. That's the first thing I want you to see is that underlying these sins is a small view of God. But lastly and secondly, I want you to see that in addition to that, there is also a small view of grace. Grace. You can maybe describe it as the gospel underlying these sins of impatience and irritation anger. For you see, the gospel of Jesus Christ is one in which we who were infinitely sinful have been forgiven infinitely by an infinitely holy God. The chasm between me and my maker is so great that the gospel illustrates in ways that nothing else on this earth can just how much mercy and grace I've received. I want you to see that if you lack patience towards other people, if you lack long-suffering towards others, if you lack self-control in terms of your anger towards others, there is a very good chance you have become as the servant in the parable of the unforgiving servant in Matthew uh, chapter 18 had become. If you recall, in this parable that Jesus told, there was a servant who was so indebted to a king, if you, if you actually do the math, The indebtedness he had was comparable to billions of dollars 
in our day. In other words, it would have taken this man lifetimes to repay this debt to this king, and he, he never could have. So I think it's fair to say he had an infinite debt, a, an utterly unpayable debt. Well, the king forgave this servant of this debt. And then very quickly thereafter in the parable, that servant goes and addresses one of his own servants who owed a much smaller debt. I mean, you could go so far as to say an infinitely smaller debt. It was a payable debt, but he was in debt. And this forgiven servant was unforgiving towards his servant who had a much lesser debt. And the whole point of the parable is Jesus is helping us recognize as believers we have been forgiven an infinite debt. We have sinned against our holy creator God. And God in His infinite grace and mercy has shed the blood of His Son Jesus upon us and we stand utterly, infinitely forgiven. How insane, how idiotic is it for we who have been forgiven so much to go and be unforgiving towards those who are in such an infinitely lesser debt to us. the, The comparison is stark and clear, and we ought to grapple with it as we conclude our time tonight. That when we have impatience towards brothers and sisters, when we live in constant irritation and anger towards others, we have indeed forgotten the extent to which God has had grace on us. We are in that moment living in light of another gospel. We are living in defiance of the grace of Jesus on us. So if if that shakes you, it should. It shakes me. Every time I'm impatient, when I'm impatient in my car, when I'm irritable with my wife and daughter, when I'm angry over silly things, in that moment, not in the crazy excess moments, in those mundane moments, I am defying the grace of the gospel of Jesus. And so I need to remember that I need a bigger view of God and I need a bigger view of grace. And if you long for this larger view of God, if you long for this larger view of grace, I commend you to this book I hold in my hands, the the Word of the Living God. Just soak yourself in it. Give yourself to it every morning, every evening. And as you read it, cry out and say, Oh God, show me who you are and show me who I am. When I first read this book from cover to cover, as a middle school student challenged by my student pastor, I got through it. It was a tough challenge, many things I didn't understand. But after I concluded, it took me about a year, my youth pastor asked me to summarize the Bible in a sentence. And I wasn't expecting this question. And as a 14, 15-year-old young man, this was my summary. And I, and I got to admit that this summary has stuck with me to this day. My, my biggest takeaway when I read this Bible from cover to cover is that God is holy and I am not. And I want you to see, dear brothers and sisters, that as you give yourself to this book, you're going to see the infinite glory and grace of God and you are going to see the infinite need you have. And in so doing, in so doing, your eyes will be opened to the subtle sins in your life like impatience and irritability and anger and you will find yourself hating them and longing for the grace of God to transform you from the inside out for the glory of His name and the good of your witness. So I want to pray for you to that end and invite you to in turn pray for me to that end that we would as believers be men and women who see these subtle respectable sins for what they really are and would in turn repent and follow hard after Christ 
who, as our chief example, has called us to live in light of His glorious gospel of grace. Would you join me as we pray to that end? Father in heaven, now I ask that you would come and that you would expose in each of us these subtle sins in our lives and that you would make us men and women marked by patience. Oh God, would you make us marked by long-suffering. Drive irritability and anger from us, oh God. May our lives reflect the testimony we bear on our lips. We ask this in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen.